And I said to his face, every client offers me a job. <laughs> like, it's not like I couldn't have one if I didn't want a corporate career. I have a job. I run a business. Like, this is my business. And secondly, I will never work for another man. And what I mean by that is I will never let another man tell me my value yes. and dictate to me what I am worth and decide what my bonus is going to be. I decide what I'm worth. I decide my own bonus these days. Like, and no man is ever going to tell me again what that value is. This is Get Shit Done, a show about female entrepreneurs who are not willing to settle for 4% and the stories and steps they took to scale their companies to the top through traction by getting shit done and growing on their own terms. Welcome back to the Get Shit Done Podcast, Queens. I'm your host, Alex Batdorf, aka Chief Get Shit Done Officer. We are the originator of the Fuck 4% movement. And when we say 4%, we're talking about total business revenues that female-founded companies currently generate. We deserve better, we can do better, and we will together. So I want you to take a moment and ask yourself this question and really sit with it. Ask yourself, how do I quantify my time in my business? I'm serious, queen. Take a moment and really think about it. Pause this and come right back to it. Did you think about it? Seriously, I really hope you did. Because I'm asking you this Because oftentimes I see women entrepreneurs not valuing our time enough, which typically looks like not delegating and getting the support that we deserve. And queen, look, been there, done that, have the emotionally burdened receipts. And look, this is top of mind for me lately because if I took a step back in 2020, I'm really grateful to say that Get Shit Done as a company grew. But I also felt that tension of growth when you've outgrown systems or processes that are no longer serving you as a founder and CEO of investing your time where you're able to get the highest ROI for your company based on your strengths as the founder. And every entrepreneur has our zone of genius where our company thrives most when we operate within it. So for example, I know that my time is best spent leading my team to our ultimate North Star, creating connections, selling, and nurturing relationships. Anything that gets in the way of me doing what I'm best at actually is robbing the business. That's why I'm so excited for you to tune into Kara Brown's episode today because she's unapologetically found and focused on what she calls the $10,000 hour, which in Kara's case is more like $120,000 hour, which has led her company to scale to seven figures and three years, and she's on track towards $10 million any day now. I think Kara is really gonna challenge the way you work and help you step into your zone of genius so you can slay your way to scale. She definitely helped me get really clear and remind me where I need to spend my energy and time as CEO. So if you are an OG get shit done queen, you know the drill. But if you are new here, get your pen and paper ready because our guests constantly drop traction tips and gems. And if you haven't yet, make sure to click subscribe so you know when episodes drop to get free traction tips from queens like Kara every single week. Make sure to rate and review our podcast. This really helps us serve more queens like you 
and slaying traction goals. And if you're looking for more support on your scaling journey, head on over to shegetshitdone.com slash join to join the fuck 4% movement of women entrepreneurs gaining traction and growing on their own terms. But you can bookmark that for now because you are about to learn how to find and focus on your $10,000 hour from Queen Kara Brown. Okay, so you have a theory. What is your theory? So my theory on women scaling is that there are three phases. The first phase is I do something better than other people and someone will pay me a premium to do this thing. So for me, it was marketing, right? So my background comes out of startup marketing. I got really lucky. I got some really cool places early out of my career, which I'm happy to tell you about. And I had this thing, I had this skill set where I could do this thing. And so I did it for other people at a premium and I made myself a job. It was a nice job. It was a $250,000 job, but I didn't have any employees. I wasn't outsourcing. I wasn't scaling. It was just a job. Then you start the small business and the small business is when you hire outsource. You get a bunch of women that are hiring their friends or friends they knew and they're outsourcing and it's 1099 or you start hiring people So you get a small team, there's three to five of you, maybe, maybe it's up to like 10 ish, right? And you end up with like a one to $2 million small business. And the processes that you put in place to run your job business work for your small business. They get a little stretched, right? You got to pay attention to payroll. You got to make sure you have cash in the bank more than you did in the beginning, but it's sort of a scalable adventure. And so you break the million dollars and it's like, hooray, we did it. What's next? The next is the scale. And the scale from two to 10, which is where we are today in my business, is so scary. Like, this is the scary stuff, right? This is, how do I go from my job that I made myself to a small business owner where I'm responsible for, I don't know, seven-ish people and paying their rent and paying their car notes to hundreds of people and being responsible for them. And from from my experience, that change from small business owner to scaling or scaled business owner is where women get stuck. It's interesting because, you know, right now you you mentioned earlier, like a lot of women are creating jobs for themselves in their businesses. Um, And a a lot of women don't even break, you know, the hundred thousand dollar mark, like 90%. That's, I mean, that's insane. And we were just talking before we started recording. There's so much in this space that's inspirational, which you need, but also inspiration doesn't pay the bills. So that's why I'm excited for for this conversation today because we need the balance. We need someone to say, you got this, but also like I tell our founders all the time, like how you got this, how are we doing it? Well, you know, it's it's charging the appropriate amount. Confidence is such a big deal for women, right? So just this week I had a, delightful Silicon Valley gentleman. We won't use the douchebag term we normally do. Delightful Silicon Valley guy. Get on the phone with me and tell me that I, I should just be honored to work for him. It should be my pleasure to work for him because he is a master of the universe. And he had the balls to ask me, Hey, you're, you're really bright. You're really smart. And I love the shock that they say that with, like, it's this shocking fact that I could possibly be smart. Like you're, you're really smart. Like you, you get your shit together. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, how, how are you not working for a big company? How have you not been picked up by a big company? 
And I said to his face, every client offers me a job. <laughs> like, it's not like I couldn't have one if I didn't want a corporate career. I have a job. I run a business. Like, this is my business. And secondly, I will never work for another man. And what I mean by that is I will never let another man tell me my value yes. and dictate to me what I am worth and decide what my bonus is going to be. I decide what I'm worth. I decide my own bonus these days. Like, and no man is ever going to tell me again what that value is. And then he proceeded to ask for a discount on the very small project we were doing for him. And what I said to him was, you know, we'll use his name, Joe. You know, Joe, I think we're just too sophisticated for you. Oh, I love I it. Think, I think maybe you should, you know, come back to us when you're ready to really do the work that we do because we're really good at what we do. And so when you're ready, come on back. We'll be here. But I just, maybe you're just not ready for us. And being able to say that and say no to 10, 20, 30, $40,000 of work is the most empowering I've ever felt. Now, it took me a couple hours to get over it and like process it and like be mad about the fact that he had mansplained me and all this stuff. But now that I'm, you know, a couple days away from it, <laughs> I'm so freaking proud that I can now say to these guys who used to marginalize me in conference rooms, I don't, I don't think you're right for me. This is, yes. this is not going to work. Yes. I love it. <laughs> and before we go on, because she just dropped so many gems and I'm sure everyone's <laughs> like, yes, right now, but tell us, Kara, who are you? What's your business? Because <laughs> yeah, obviously sure. you are a, a gem that we all need to know about. I appreciate that very much, Alex. So uh, my name is Kara Brown and I'm the CEO of Lead Coverage. We are a B2B only lead gen shop. So what does that mean? Some people put us in the marketing bucket, the marketing digital agency bucket. We don't build websites and we don't do creative. We are a HubSpot Platinum shop. We made a decision to be a HubSpot shop early on in our history. We've only been around about three and a half years. I'm a former Salesforce admin, so I get it. We've used CRMs and marketing automation platforms in our corporate careers, and we chose that tool intentionally. I also think if we want to get into brass tacks later, that every woman listening to the show should have a HubSpot account. We can talk about that. So we do B2B lead gen only. There are nine lead gen strategies, six of which work during COVID. They don't all work right now. But we help clients mostly in the supply chain, heavy industrial and technology spaces put lead gen to work. We are really, really good at it for a very specific box. And for the women listening to this podcast, I want to just throw out a piece of advice. It's free, so take it for what it's worth. One of the things that has helped us go from 250K to we're looking at 10 million, we can see 10 million in revenue, is that we have chosen a very, very specific box. And our box is a supply chain, right? So very sexy, all the trucks. Supply chain, heavy industrial, so manufacturing, also ugly stuff, right? Not sexy, or technology that runs either one of those sort of industries and only those. So we have decided that we are in this niche. And if you're not in our box, there's someone else that should do this work for you. But if you're in this box, we can charge a very significant premium. We know exactly how to do it. And we have got the process down to a science. Just like the niching thing is something I talk about a lot when I talk to female entrepreneurs, because I feel like a lot of times we just sort of want to say yes to anything that comes in the door. But over time, you realize that if I step outside of my box, I'm stressed out, the client's stressed out, the team's stressed out, and the value of that arrangement or that agreement is diminished. And then you're stealing money from the company when you spend time on things that are not in your box. Yes. Because the value of that hour could be spent closing a deal 
that is in the center of your box that just makes everything nice and smooth. So a smart man told me a long time ago that it takes just as much energy to run a $2,500 a month client as it does a $250,000 a month client. Raise our prices on our box because we're the best. And like, that's where the, the scaling happens. And I have found this to be true. There's so many things here, especially around focus, <laughs> because that's the, that's the number one thing. I want to paint a picture though, because there's obviously a reason you got to this place. And I want to break down how you got to focus in niche because we usually make niche a bad word, which it is not whatsoever. Um, I always tell founders like, what's your books? Amazon had books. Now it runs your life. <laughs> like, what's your books? So take us back before you said you were a Salesforce admin before this, yeah. like, and now you, you have this business, you see 10 million in sight, but what the hell were you doing before this business to say, first of all, you were Salesforce admin. And then you decided HubSpot, which I totally understand why, because yeah. of my experience, but give us a picture, paint us a picture of what was happening be before you even started this company. Why the hell did you start it? So in 2006, taking a way back, I was the 12th employee at a company called Echo Global Logistics. Very sexy. All the trucks. Chicago. The yep. Downtown yes. Chicago. 600 West, baby. So uh, I was early to Echo and we grew 3000% in three years. And my boss came by one day and he hey. said, hey, we're going to go public. Here's the banker's business card. Go figure out what we need to do for the internal stuff. And I was like, sure, boss, I got you. I'm going to Google that. And I literally went to Barnes and Noble, which is still a thing in 20, 2006, and uh, bought the book IPO for Dummies because I had no idea what we were doing. I had a poli sci degree. I had no idea what we were doing. So literally helped write the S1, got to be in the meetings. It was super cool. Got to be sort of on the front lines of the IPO. So my name is on the IPO press release for Echo Global Logistics from 2009. It was an incredible experience. Can we Eric take a was, pause there real Yeah, quick? sure. I just want to call out right here for women because we are perfectionists and we wait until it's quote unquote what we think is perfect, which it never will be. Never. They were IPOing and yeah. they said to someone in their company, a Go 25 a year old girl. <laughs> Literally, I was 25. Now, I mean, Alex, <laughs> I want to give, I want to give the guys at Echo credit, right? So like, you're I obviously good, but yeah, yeah. But like, I wasn't pricing this IPO. Like, I don't want to give it any more credit than it's really due, right? No, like, but still, I was, I was a young hustler. I will own what I owned. I was a young hustler. I had a lot of energy. They liked me. I was integral to the culture of the company. I knew everyone at the organization. I'd been there a long time. I was a good team player. And they were like, who are we going to have like spin up our investor relations website, deal with NASDAQ? Essentially, they said, do we need to hire a $100,000 plus human or can we just have Kara do it? Yes. And that's what I want to focus on yeah. here is like, yes, you know, they obviously were able to identify there's someone that we can trust who yeah. obviously has it, but they let go because the, I'm sure you've heard this and seen this with other women is the delegation piece. And when I see them exhausted in their company, when they're starting to see that growth, I'm just like, why haven't you hired yet? Why haven't you let that thing go? Yeah. Because that's not a good use of your time. So and find the next you, like you yes. were probably that girl, right? Yes. At, at every company, there's that girl. There's that oh woman who, and she's usually young and spunky and everyone likes her and she's cute and she runs around and she does everything for everybody. And that was yep. me. Like if you ask the guys that run that company, like, yeah, that was Kara. She was that girl. Oh, so, I love that. Uh, another yes. cool piece of this story is the guy that started Groupon literally sat like two cubes down from me. So one day him and his buddy came over and they were like, green or blue? And I was like, well, if you're going to go with Groupon, go with green. 
that's the American Express blue. And they're like, cool, thanks. And they came back two weeks later and they were like, all right, we need to send this Groupon email. You have the email addresses to everybody at this business. Would you send out this email for us? And I was like, sure. So I sent the first Groupon email from my inbox. I had nothing to do with the spelling of the business. I would never take any credit for it, but got to be along for the ride as these guys were building this like fastest growing company ever, which was super cool. So post IPO, I got picked up by another supply chain management company that was supposed to go public. They were six years into a private equity deal. So I moved to Nashville, do the IPO. And instead of going public, we ended up in sort of a legal tangle and Mm. a very prominent producer from a very high level CBS evening news show called and was like, Hey, we think you guys are doing something sort of not great. Do you want to talk about that? And I was like, (laughs) not great. No, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that at all. So long story short, the private equity company came in, everything got shook up. And I called my husband and I was like, Hey babe, uh, I got like three to six months here. We're going to do something. So we went back to Chicago and popped out babies. So popped out two kids, got an MBA, started sending emails for friends, which was the start of the consulting business. But I was not like, oh, I'm going to go and like be an entrepreneur. This is also, I had two babies. I'm like nursing. I'm typing on, like, it's just, it's a nightmare. It's like the worst time of my life. Right. And I got a job offer call from a friend of mine from Groupon who said, hey, why don't you move to Atlanta and we're going to do this startup down here. So I come down here, do the startup, exit the startup. And someone told me, hey, did you hear that less than 2% of female founders will ever break a million dollars in revenue. And I was like, huh. 1.7%. Yeah, it's one point, thank you, 1.7 for American Express. And I was like, yeah, all right, challenge accepted. Let's go do that. So I ended up taking all the coffees I could find. I'm new to Atlanta, I don't know anybody here. I took all the coffees I could find with all the old white guys. And some of them said to me, hey, like we need top talent to stay in this town. So I will make some intros for you and help you close some work if you just commit to stay here. I was like, all right. So we stayed and we closed about $400,000 in revenue in like three or six months. I mean, it was just like, it was super fast. And this is the lead gen, right? Yeah. So this is the the lead gen shop. Fast forward to 2020 in March when the entire world came to a a standstill, I was sure we were going to lose it all, right? So we'd broken the million dollar mark. We're an almost all female team. We'd hired two guys, uh, but an almost all all female team. There were about 10 of us and the bottom fell out of the market. I was sure all of our clients were going to pull their work. This was it. I'm making worst case scenario models of how am I going to lay people off? I'm, you know, I'm in the fetal position eating gummy bears for like six weeks. Mm. And we ended up growing 60% through the pandemic. Yep which was just this amazing experience of starting a whole new business, figuring out what the pivot was going to be, getting the right people on the team, asking my team. This was a, an actual conversation we had in August. I said, listen, we're still in the thick of this pandemic. I, we're talking about $10 million. And I know, because I've been you, you're thinking to yourself, all right, Kara, I see your $10 million goal. I'm not getting a razor promotion. Like, where's my piece, right? And I said to them, listen, I need you to stick with me through 2019 and 2020 because cash gets you more cash. The more cash we have in the bank, which is something that you're, all of the women listening need to understand is how debt facilities work, right? The more cash I have in the bank, the more I can borrow. And that's what they structured PPP on. Yes, exactly. Yep. And so the more I had in the bank and the more payroll we had, the more PPP we got. So we got the PPP, but this is sort of post PPP debt financing. This is like, me explaining to my team why I needed them to stay with me and stick with me 
through 2020 and work their asses off and crush their goals and keep our clients super happy and help me start this new business. Because essentially, if I kept their salary additions that I was that I owed them, and I, I owed them all bonuses and raises, if I kept it in the bank, then we could go raise more money from a debt perspective. And if shit hit the fan, if we really are going to like not make it, I can pay you all longer, <laughs> right? If I have more debt in the bank or we can make bigger investments, we can do stuff, but I have to have that cash to be able to make that happen. And they all stuck with me. And Alex, I got to tell you, my favorite day was when I got to call and I'm so upset we couldn't do it in person, but I got to have a zoom call with each of my teammates and tell them their raise and bonus wow. based on what they had done to help us get to a 60% growth in 2020. And it was this really cool feeling of like the company's in a really good position and it's all because of you, my team, this, like, I'm like, I asked you to stick with me and you did. Here is the thank you. And the, like, I'm so proud of what we've accomplished together. That was a cool oh, moment. Oh my goodness. So there's so much here in terms of, I mean, a, the focus, but B, also, how do you navigate through a pandemic? Because the stuff you see in the, like, the news is always, like, doom and gloom and all these companies are closing, which that is definitely a reality. Sure. But there's this other side where I'm seeing so many people who are experiencing growth because they adapted to, to what was in front of them. So I would love to go back to the focus piece because I think this is so essential for any entrepreneur. Like when I started even get shit done, you know, the first thing was like, I want to help all these women because I love the fact that when you first came on my radar and on Instagram, I was like, oh my God, she knows the 1.7 thing. Like (laughs) this is the shit I nerd out on all the time and no one has these conversations. So I was just like, I need to know more about this. But that became so important to me because I had done it in my last company, we had scaled up and it was just like, why aren't there more? And I realized it's, there's not enough women creating traction. And there's also so much, many of us that were were focused on, well, we want to save the world. And we're trying to do it all at once. I remember when I started to get shit done, it was that. It was that I wanted to conquer that 1.7%. I wanted to put more women through the pipeline that can scale up. But what did we need to conquer first? It was like, I needed to get focused on A, what are we good at? We know scale. We're not lifestyle. And I'll tell founders who come to us who are more lifestyle. And they're like, I just want to do this to create this third life. I'm like, that's beautiful. I think you should go over here and they're going to best support you. But who we best support are women are saying, I want to go big. That doesn't necessarily have to be a unicorn, but I need to know how to get there. And so we were like women who are building scalable companies who are want to focus on traction. And that has produced so like say we grew in the pandemic because what you're doing is for you in particular, you are helping people find more leads in their business sales. You sell or die. Um, And then for us, it's like, we help people stay in business and grow their business. So I would love for you to walk us through, how did you even decide that this is what we're going to focus on? What did you identify? Because I feel so many founders struggle with where do we get focused? Because we want to conquer it all. I have this conversation all the time. I mentor women that I can, right? I don't have a ton of time, but when I can, I'm happy to have a conversation. I find a lot of times, and I don't know if it's just a woman thing or if it's just an entrepreneur thing, people are solving problems they don't know anything about. So you know something about something, right? I have a dear friend, Katie Mallory. She's a super awesome human being. And she started a company called SlumberPod. And it she's a mom of three. And she literally created a, a tent that goes over a pack and play. So when you go on vacation, 
your kid can sleep in the dark. She solved her own problem. I am solving a problem in a market that I know. I know supply chain. I spent 15 years in the space. My network is in supply chain. The guys that I was having lunch with when I was in my 20s are now running billion dollar businesses. So I can get indoors of these companies because I have relationships that are 15, 20 years long. So I think the first answer to your question is find something that you know. It doesn't have to be sexy, right? Like I could be building websites. I could have figured out how to build WordPress websites, but WordPress websites aren't that sexy to me, right? Because they don't generate a lot of revenue. <laughs> so I had a conversation with a woman and she was going to do this thing. And, and I said, well, what did, what did you do like for a living? before you did this? And she's like, oh, well, I was in finance, like a fintech. And I was like, why aren't you starting a fintech company? Like, it sounds like you know right. a lot about fintech and your network is in fintech. And she's like, well, that's a lot harder. And I was like, maybe it's harder, but at the end of the day, like, where is your network? Where are you going to be successful in your network? Where do you add yeah. value versus and then adding find people, find people jump on the bandwagon, right? I think uh, we have a thing we call hashtag empire. And so when I have calls like this call, if you were a young woman coming to me asking for advice on like lead gen specifically, I would say to you, I want to know, are you a lifestyle business? Like, do you want to know how to like do some lead gen for yourself? Or are we talking hashtag empire? Like I need to teach you how to build a CRM and marketing automation platform that's going to scale when you hire five salespeople. Like, tell me, where are we? And then she'll usually give me some indication. It's a girlfriend call, right? An advice call or a pitch. Like, let's talk about these two things. And I think a lot of times women either sell themselves short and they don't think big enough. One of my mentors, Bernie Dixon, she's absolutely tremendous. She runs Launchpad 2X. I'm on the board. It's an amazing organization and it's called, it's rocket fuel for female entrepreneurs. So less than 2% of female founders will break a million dollars. 25% of female graduates from this program will break a million dollars in revenue. And her challenge to all of us in the room is $20 million. When I sat down in the Bernie Dixon <laughs> Launchpad 2X cohort that I was in, I was at like $450,000 in revenue. And I thought I was like crushing it. And she gave me the challenge of 20 million. And I'm still trying to understand how I'm going to get to 20, right? But now I have an idea of how I'm going to get to 20. It's not this business, it's the next one. But the ability to think big and to, why not 20? Yes. Right? Like why not 20? Instead of a million, why not 20 million? And I think that's the, that's the difference is, do you make yourself a job sort of doing the tactical stuff that you do? Or do you make yourself an empire having other people do the tactical stuff and you run the business? That's been the biggest change, I think. The biggest change is I no longer do the work anymore. We had a client yes. sort of joke with us last week. He said, he's like, Kara sold us on working with you guys and we've never seen her again. Like we don't see her anymore. And so I got on the call and I was like, I'm here and I'm useless. You have a whole account team <laughs> that are doing things for you every day and they're crushing it for you and your business. Like you're really happy with the work they're doing. I'm just here as like wallpaper, essentially. Like we can have a talk, like it's, I like you, we can chat, but like I don't add any more value because the people that are really truly doing the work now are my team. And that's a cool moment. I love that. So what enabled you to get to that million dollars? So you, you know, you were challenged, you had gotten to the four fifties. Um, now let's think of 20 million, but even before that you started this up and you're like, look, we are going to focus on HubSpot. We are going to help these type of companies generate leads, so on and so forth. 
And something it seems like you're really good at is obviously leads and sales. That's what your entire company is based on. And which is wonderful because, you know, the number one reason why companies fail is not because an investor didn't give them a check. Investor capital, institutional capital is acceleration capital. It is not to keep you in business. That's your job. And most companies fail is because they run out of cash. And a lot of times early stage company, it's because they lacked a good go-to-market strategy and distribution. And a lot of that has to do with where your lead's coming from. How do you produce more leads um, and grow that? So can you walk us through that process for you and from when you started this thing to getting it to where it even is today to keep that momentum to get to that, even breaking the million dollar mark? Yeah. So I sell all day, every day. Yep. That's my whole job. My whole job. So my job as a CEO is to set strategy and keep cash in the bank. Yes. That's my job. I literally told my team, I'm just like, there was something that was broken. And I'm like, look, let's, we need to fix this bottleneck. I wrote down all the different things. And I said, I need to not be distracted by things that aren't producing revenue. hundred percent. So there are four types of hours. This is someone else's theory. It's not mine. I don't know whose it is. I stole it from my friend. You, as an entrepreneur, you have a 10, 100, 1,000 and $10,000 hour every day. Every hour you work has value. It is your responsibility as the owner of the company, as the CEO, to free yourself up for the $10,000 hour. Yes. If I am spending my time on a $10 task, I am literally stealing $9,990 from my business. So every day that I have to send someone a bill or track down an invoice, or I got to hire a bookkeeper. My bookkeeper was terrible. We fired her. It's been a mess. Every minute I spend hiring this stupid bookkeeper is a minute that I'm not generating revenue. And that is my whole job, right? I have a delivery team now that manages the clients. We do a customer satisfaction score. Super proud of that. Can walk you through sort of how we do that methodology. They are responsible for client delivery. I am no longer responsible for delivering on our client work, right? My job is to sell new business do things like this, podcasts, our own marketing, get out in front of people, get on the speaker circuit, do the stuff that'll get us some exposure and keep cash in the bank. That's my job. And if I'm doing stuff like managing my own calendar or picking my kids up from school, I mean, we can talk about the mom thing too, right? My number one employee in my life is my au pair. (laughs) Like, (laughs) She literally frees me up to do anything I need to do. I mean, she does drop off, pick up, laundry, dinner. Like I don't do any of that stuff. So when someone says like, how do you do it as a busy mom and entrepreneur? My answer is I don't like, I, I don't do it. Like it is physically impossible for me to grow this business and scale this business to $10 million while I do drop off, pick up and homeschool. Like that's just a fallacy. That's ridiculous. And I see this often, especially because there's that 90%, 90% of women entrepreneurs are making well under hundred K annually. And so they might be like, yes, Kara, like I totally hear you. And I wish, how the hell do I get there? Because we're like on a freaking shoestring, I'm barely paying myself. I'm doing, how do you even get to that point to be able to say, I can go get the au pair. I can go and outsource and get the team. Cause many female entrepreneurs are solo. They don't even get it past that point where they can bring on contractors or even full-time people. So I have been there, Alex. In 2017, I took no paycheck for three or four months, right? Like it was a long time. And we made sacrifices in our family 
to make that happen. We were so poor at one point that my husband would go get a Starbucks and I would call him because it would alert my phone that he had spent more than $5. Like, I'm not joking. Wow. Like, we have been in that situation. And there's no, we don't have, like, a rich uncle that came in and was like, here's $10 million to start your business. Like, this is all me. Like, we figured this out all on our own. We made the decision to hire an au pair, $24,000 all in. We made a very specific financial model for how it was going to work, right? But we cut a check to daycare in 2016 for thirty grand. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Now it came out of the checking account in dribs and drabs, right? We didn't notice it until we paid our bills the following year. And I was like, hold on a second. Let me actually like look at this number. And it was $32,000. And I was still doing drop off, pick up, making lunches, you know, all the bullshit they make you do as a mom, right? And I was like, no way, this is not, this is not sustainable. And our marriage was suffering. I mean, we were at each other's throats. Who's doing pickup? Who's doing drop-off? There's a kid sick. Who's staying home? I have a meeting. You have a meeting. I mean, my husband's an engineer. He's got a big-time job. And it just wasn't It wasn't worth it. So we did. We made the sacrifice. Did we have, like, a million-dollar business and we hired our repair? Not even close. Like, not even close. But she has become an integral piece of that pie. And so I think maybe it's not an au pair. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's a nanny. I, whatever it is. I think women have to decide what is your $10,000 hour? And I decided that preschool pickup was not a $10,000 hour. That the 20 minutes to drive to school and back, I could close a $240,000 deal. If I have that time to put into the business, that it's so much more valuable. So that's how we made that call, right? And then yes. you asked me another question about like, how did I go from essentially yeah, because you're selling to over a million. You said we're we're selling. So and your entire company is based around creating leads for other people so they can sell. So one of our mottos that gets you done, we're changing it out of server die because people freak out about sales. And I'm like, selling is just serving. If you're adding value, it's just serving people. But I tell founders, I'm like, if you are not selling, your company is dying. So sell or die. You have and to that's sell. exactly what you did. So what is your process for doing it? Because you're obviously a beast at it. It is the number one priority. So if you ask my team, I will sacrifice pretty much anything to sell. I will not show up for meetings. I will ditch one-on-ones. The highest priority and the highest best use of my time is selling. So if I am doing something like having a one-on-one -on -one with an intern, which I would never do anymore, right? But if I've got 30 minutes carved out to have a one-on-one -on -one with an intern, that is 30 minutes that I'm not replying to an email or I'm not reaching out to someone to see how they're doing or I'm not congratulating someone on their new COO job of a billion dollar company. Like there are so many other things I could be doing with that time. Spending 30 minutes with a junior employee, it's just, it doesn't move the needle anymore. And that's really hard. It's a hard thing to like just decide what is the hierarchy of what I'm gonna do in my day and then to live by that. It's hard for a lot of, it's not hard for me, but it's hard. I've heard this more than once that it's hard for women. They want to, you know, touch every employee or, you know, I want to be home when my kids get home or whatever. Like, and listen, no judgment. You want to do that? Make yourself a job, rock on, right? Like, I'm not going to judge you if you, if that's important to you. I have made the very conscious decision that building this empire is more important to me right now. And I will sacrifice just about anything on my calendar to close a deal. I love everything about this because I think women, we guilt the fuck out of ourselves because we're yes. naturally nurturers. And so everyone says, well, you're supposed to show up for everywhere, but it's just like, 
you have to give yourself oxygen first. Like if you're not like at your optimal, then everything will literally implode. And that's why nothing gets done. We keep spinning and we're wondering why all these other people around us might be doing it because we didn't select what is our $10,000 hour and decide I'm going to sacrifice X, Y, and Z to make this happen. Because when that happens, all these other things can fall into place. So, so amazing. Can you walk us through how you decide the value for each different thing? Because I think that's where some people mess up is that we have everything. Everything seems important. We do this with our founders all the time. And we're like, look under the hood. What's the percentage of revenue that actually produces your business? It's actually just noise. But how do you decide in your selling process and say, this thing is 10,000, this thing's five, so on and so forth. What does that look like? I mean, you? it's really pretty simple. It's all tied back to revenue. So I'll tell you a story. I think I may have mentioned this earlier about this guy who told me that I should have the pleasure of working for him. Yep. Same story. So we have a W-shaped business. It's sort of a lopsided W. We have retainer work. So another sort of tip for, it's like a pretty tactical tip. We only do retainer work, which means I have regular recurring revenue from my clients. And when we sit down, I say, listen, this is all the things we do. We do it all inside the retainer. It's $10,000 a month minimum. We don't do projects. We don't do pay for performance. Like if you, if you can't afford 10K a month for what we're doing, we're not the right fit. We'll go to the next one. And we do that quickly because it's literally $120,000 hour, right? If I can close that deal, that is $120,000 minimum, right? So we started doing project work. This is where it gets complicated. So if you're not doing retainer work today, I highly recommend you do retainer work. Find someone who knows how to sell retainers and learn from them. There's lots of tips and tricks about how to sell a retainer versus how to position your contract. So it's a retainer contract versus project, all the things. The lopsided W for us is we do some project work, but we only do it on HubSpot spinups. So if you're a startup or even a mid-level company and you want to go from Salesforce to HubSpot, or you've got you've been using HubSpot, but you want to scale and you need to do a better job, we are the best at that in the Southeast, like hands down, CRM, marketing automation, HubSpot spinups, right? And so we're starting to sell these projects. So I'm on the phone with this guy. It's a $20,000 project, okay? So remember the value, right? So you asked me the question, how do you determine the value? Well, the value for a retainer client is a minimum of $120,000. The value for this project is $20,000, but it takes me just as long to close a project as it does a retainer. Yes right? So I have to be very judicious about my and my team's time on these projects. Now, some project work does turn into retainer work. So you don't want to cut off everyone at its knees, right? But it's 20 grand. If you're a mid-market company, this is not a huge lift for you. It's also a very important piece of a scaling business, right? The CRM marketing automation piece is the crux of where the math comes from. All of your all of your value is living in this engine. So if you don't have 20 grand to spend on it, we're probably not the right fit for you, yep. right? So I literally two days ago got on the phone with this guy. It's a $20,000 project. We've already given them a discount. We've already changed the billing model because they want to pay it in tranches. I'm like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me, right? Let's just get this and move on because this is a little baby project for me. And at the end of the call, I was like, you know, this is not worth it. Like the value of me spending time trying to convince this dude that he should go with us on this $20,000 project, like time's up, dude, you are now infringing on work that I could be doing for someone else or a deal, a much bigger deal that I could be closing. So time's up. I'm done. I probably could have won that deal. Like 
if I had discounted it, if I had called him back, if I had begged him, if I had like, oh no, we'll do whatever you want, Mr. Customer, to sign this deal, right? This guy, this $20,000 guy who's a pain in the ass to close is going to be a pain in the ass for my team. And take up so much time and energy. So much time and energy. And so it's not just my hour that I'm now responsible for. It's my team's hours. So if I think about this guy's a pain in the ass to close, and then I'm not going to do the work, right? That's not my jam anymore. I hand that off to my team. I'm on the phone with this guy. He said something about, well, I'm not going to work with you. I'm going to work with this other person, right? She'll be my contact. And I was like, yes, she will be, which means I'm going to hand her this bag of dog shit to go work on for 12 weeks. And why would I do that to my team member? I value her. Yes. I value her time. So you know what? This is just not, this is not a fit for us. This is yes. not something that I want to do. I don't want to put my colleague in that position. So we're going to go find one that fits the box. And I think what you're, you're bringing up here, and it's something we walk our founders through all the time. It's there's 20% of what you do that produces 80% of your results. And that's where- Amen the majority of your time and energy needs to come from, but you cannot know that if you are not measuring. And I think something you keep, you're bringing up HubSpot and you're like, I can see every company, even if it's Google Docs, you don't have to have some fancy system. HubSpot CRM is actually free. It's um, free, try it. It's free. And I think the important thing here is even if you don't have a services business, you can be e-commerce, you can, you can track all of these amazing metrics. There's so much data today that will let you know where 80% of your activity is coming from, that will tell you that's where you need to put the majority of your energy and to determine your $10,000, whatever yeah. hour it is for you. And then everything else that, that, that additional, you know, whatever else, once you've conquered the thing that generates the, mo the majority of your revenue, then you can do the other things and test those things yeah, out, totally. but that's where you need to put your focus. So our focus is LinkedIn. So I have a ghostwriter. We meet every Tuesday. She writes my LinkedIn posts for me. I go in and edit okay. them and then put them in Sprout Social. So I'm, I've got content through back half of March. And she writes all this stuff for me. We can attribute, we can truly, truly attribute a $240,000 client to one LinkedIn post I wrote. Wow. Because the guy told me, he was like, you posted this thing on LinkedIn. I have been thinking about like changing up our marketing slash biz dev stuff. I think this is really smart. I'd like to hire you. And so the time I spend with her doing the ghostwriting, the, the, what I pay her for the ghostwriting all goes into the ROI of that. Oh, that ROI is insane. It's insane. That's, that's crazy. Like off of 240,000. That's in. That's insane. Wow. We closed a $25,000 month deal. Now there's also that meme of like, I, it took me 25 years to get this right skill set. So when I do it in 10 minutes, it is worth that much money. There's a part of that, right? There's also a part of this, like I'm almost 40, right? I've got tenure in the space. I've got, I've got a reputation in the space. I'm, just not, I'm not like, I don't know. I'm no, like, I'm no Mark Benioff, right? But like people in my very specific box know, know who you. I am and what we do. Right. Because it's my very, yep. so I'm not marketing to like fintech and healthcare. I am marketing to a very specific box. And so when I post things that tweak people's interest or I show that I'm available or that we're doing stuff or we're growing, I will get a phone call or an email or a LinkedIn message from someone that's like, hey, we worked together or you worked with this guy that I knew. I mean, even at the size that we are, even like, you know, getting to the 10 million mark, we'll still be 
a good chunk of it's going to be from word of mouth. Yeah. That word of mouth comes from us putting ourselves out there regularly. But again, back to like your 80, 20 point, right? We don't do PPC. We don't do Facebook ads. Nope. Right. Because we've tried it. We have tried it and they don't deliver revenue. <laughs> so like we do the things and we complete, we, we repeat the repeatable process of the things that we know work. And for yes. us, it's LinkedIn. And I love that because when you are a able to say, I'm, we're going to focus here. You identify the focus, you track the numbers and you know, we don't need to do all the other fluff. Cause I see founders that are on so many channels and I'm like, I bet you one of those is working. Like, for example, we're the same LinkedIn. We know we can track, we track everything. Yep. We can track the majority of people that come to us, LinkedIn email, LinkedIn yeah. email. And I'm like, that's where, that's where my priority goes to. If I'm like, yep. if I put in energy, Instagram secondary for us, I'm like, uh, we get some people, but I'm like, whatever. I'm not even, I don't even engage as much on there because I'm like, LinkedIn is our place. So I love this folk. It goes back to focus. So what would you say are the top mistakes you made while scaling to a million? Uh, I love this laugh. (laughs) Which one, Alex? How many, how many, like, what didn't I screw up on the way? I'm not, we're not even there yet, right? Like, I I'm sure I'll screw up a bunch more stuff on the way. Um, wh- hiring is a big challenge of mine. Um, knowing yourself, knowing myself was a big challenge of mine. I have hired many people that I like. Um, I'm a salesperson. I like you. If you were looking for a job, I'd be like, hell yeah, Alex is great. Let's hire Alex. And then you might come to my company and be like, I have no skill set. And they're not good on the job. Oh, and they're terrible on the job. But yep. so I'm so I've I've found myself earlier to be pretty naive in terms of, but we like each other. So obviously you're gonna work really hard. And they're like, No, I'm actually not gonna do that. So hiring for me was really tough. Um, I'm in a group called the Entrepreneur Organization, which I highly recommend. Um Finding your tribe, I think, is the piece of advice that I can give. Like, I've failed on a lot, but now that I have a tribe, I have people to tell me, hey, when I did that, I failed. So maybe you should not do that or like share my experiences with, right? So I hired a person. I hired someone that I thought was going to be a partner. I thought she was going to, you know, we were going to crush the world together. I was going to give her half the business. I mean, we were, we were going to do great things together and she just, she just ghosted. She just quit and ghosted. So hiring has been a challenge for me. We started using the top grading process and there's a million of them out there. We started using Crystal Nose, which is a free um, psychographic profiling tool on LinkedIn, which I really like. So we have built a process around hiring so that when I hire, I, I now hire strangers. I know that some people will give the advice of make sure you hire people in the network and people that you know and you trust, yeah. but I have not found that to be true. I found, I have found that hiring strangers actually is a lot easier for us, but in every, each of their own. So we use this very rigorous top grading process. And essentially the theory is hire A players. And an A player has always been an A player. This is someone that had two jobs in college. I did an Ironman, like a physical Ironman, like ran the Ironman race the week that we wrote the S1 for the company that went public. Like I've always had two jobs. I taught spin class, right? Like there's just a, there's a pattern of a player that you need to find. And if you can find the a players, you'll crush it. But those first Mm -hmm. 10 hires are super important to find a players. So that's probably the, my biggest failure has been, has been hiring. The other one is um, 
the other, I mean, I guess like I sort of trusted myself, but I think the other one I'm sort of learning now, which is you gotta think bigger. Like why not 20 million? Why can't you be the next Bumble? Right? Like why can't you be the next Whitney? Like, do you have an idea that serves a population that you really could be the next IPO, right? Um, I'm not, do you know Sanira Madati? She runs CEO school. She's freaking amazing. Like, blow your mind amazing. You should totally know her. She's, she, uh, she and I are, she's got a, a podcast called the 2% Club. She wants to help women Love break the 2% it. mark. She's amazing. You guys totally get along. And uh, she is like crushing it in her own right. She's the CEO of Fat Merchant. And Fat Merchant is a fintech company. Another example of someone who was in fintech, saw a challenge and started her own business solving the challenge from the fintech marketplace. And now she's crushed it and she's a, she's got a bunch of funding and she's worth just, I mean, she's just amazing. She's just amazing. Uh, and, um, and she and I are very similar in that, right? Like, why not? Like, why can't, why, like, if, if I'm at 20 million, Sanira's at a billion, right? She's like, why not a billion dollars? Like, why can't I be a unicorn? And I think for the most part, I, just up until this year, I think, was thinking too small. Um, and I have a new mentor and I like him so much. He's, he's amazing. And he gave me an exercise to do, which is 15, 10, 5, 3, one-year plans. And they're not just like, um, you know, like revenue plans. It's like, what do I look like? Where do I live? Who are my relationships with? Where are my kids? What are they doing? Where are my parents? Who like, what's happened with the business? How much money do I have? Like, what does my house look like? And doing this 15, 10 year sort of out, like look at like what I want to do has been really interesting. And then comparing with my husband's, right? So mine was like, have a hundred million dollars in the bank, have five homes, right? Like live in Europe. And his was like, get a condo. And <laughs> <laughs> very practical. Yeah. He's very, he's an, he's an engineer, right? He's very practical. And, um, and so I think doing that exercise will help you identify, even if I fail at getting to call it hundred million, right? Even if I fail and I only make it to 50, that's great. Yes. Right. Even if my, if my plan, if I say I'm going to have a $20 million business and I only make it to 10, that's great. I love this because the end of the day, what your way of saying, cause our, our motto will get you done is fuck 4%. Um, your way of saying fuck 4% and even the, the examples of women you're talking about are saying, why not me? Why not? Why can't I get up that like think much bigger? I love that. So what would you say, like when you started this journey and it could be that, but what do you feel is the advice you wish you would have gotten then that you would like to offer now? Oh my gosh. That's a really, I don't know. Advice is so hard. It's right? so hard. Advice, advice is like, it's worth what you pay for it. Right. So like, I don't know if advice is even something I would give. I think, I think I would rather give like an experience of mine. Right of like a moment, yes. like a moment, right? So the moment that sort of sticks with me um, is the moment that I got to give a really big raise to someone, like a, like a meaningful, meaningful raise to someone. Um, 
and it didn't hurt me as a person. Does that make sense? Where the my personal net worth and income is now separate from what we do in the business. Mm. The decoupling of that can take a while because for a while you make yourself a job and that's yeah. your income, right? And every dollar you spend on something is a dollar you don't put in your pocket. And that's that's a hard thing to sort of decouple. And so over the last four years, I have decoupled my personal net worth and income um, from the business itself. And so when I can look at the business on its own and say, this person deserves this much, or I can hire this person, or I can do this thing with the with the with the business income or the you know look at the PL, whatever the investments we're making, et cetera, in the business, and it doesn't affect me personally, that's sort of a big that was a big moment, right? Where giving someone 15 grand or 50 grand or whatever it is, and having that person on the team and being able to do what I have to do to support that person doesn't affect my my own financial net worth or or take home. That was a, that's a big moment. I love that. So then we, we never like to end without asking, well, where do you need support? So, you know, what are you focused on today? Uh, it sounds like getting to that 10 million, which I yeah. have full faith that will absolutely happen. Well, um, and, and now they're, they're million dollar hours now. So it's just right. amazing. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I'm stealing that, that I'm stealing. Yes. That they are million dollar hours. For These sure. are million dollar hours now, which is amazing. Um, doesn't get any easier, but <sighs> where, no. where are you focused? And then how can we support you? Yeah. So we're focused on hiring. We need, uh, we need 20 people for this business in 2021. So anyone listening who knows someone or would like to jump on the bandwagon for a while and learn some skills before they go back on their own, whatever, however it works, if you know somebody, et cetera, we'd love to hire really A players that are sort of in our space. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really it. It's, it's, it's hiring. And of course, if you know someone in supply chain, heavy industrial or tech that would need some lead gen help, we'll take all of those leads too. Although I doubt our audiences overlap very much, but um, yeah, for, for us, it's really just about exposure, share, share the stuff that you learn, share with other women, right? Help the next woman. I feel like the the generation ahead of us, and this is this is a super generalization, right? But the generation ahead of us, um, in general, doesn't do a great job of sort of lifting down, right? Reaching down and lifting up. Agreed. And so I'm trying really hard to set that example, um, to to reach down and lift up and try to help as much as I can, right? And I don't have a ton of time, and so like, you know, it, it's it's not every day that I get to do fun podcasts like this where we talk about, you know women in business, but, um, but that's really, that's really fun. So finding your, finding your, your pod and your posse, and then bring some women who are already there, like into the mix, we're out there, like we exist, right. And we're happy to help. And I've got a little tiny group of women that are sort of already on their way to the hashtag empire, which I'm super proud of. Thank you so much for listening to get shit done. We hope you got the traction tips you need to grow your company on your own terms. If you want to learn more traction tips like these from Badass Women Entrepreneurs Weekly, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, queen, show us some love by rating and reviewing this podcast. This really helps us reach and serve more women like you in slaying their way to traction. 
And if you're looking for more support on your scaling journey, head on over to shegetsshitdone.com slash join, where you'll become a part of the movement of women entrepreneurs giving 4% the middle finger. And special shout out to our squad, Kayla Algie and Stephanie Montana for producing this episode. I also love hearing from you, friend. So head on over to the gram and hit me up at Get Shit Done Queen and let me know what did you learn or what do you want to learn more about. Until next time, Queen, I'm Alex Batdorf reminding you, you got this. Now go out there and get shit done. <laughs>